Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. Tonight we want to just get our Bibles and uh, get ready to study the Word of the Lord. We have been teaching a series here on hope in the hurt. This is lesson number five. It, it, it'll be our last lesson. Uh, I, I, I hope, no pun intended, but I hope that, that this lesson has helped you. I hope that it has helped you, been a blessing to you. Uh, the fact is, adversity, problems, troubles, suffering is common to everybody. Everybody goes through stuff. Everybody deals with stuff. Everybody has issues. Amen. And I'm thankful that there is a hope that even in the hurt we can have. We can have. Our theme scripture has been Hebrews chapter 6, 17 through 20. Wherein God will any more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, a strong encouragement, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Praise the Lord. Tonight, our focus is on finding advantage in affliction. Finding advantage in our afflictions. <clears throat> Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you today thanking you, Lord Jesus, that God, you, you help us in times of need, in times of, of pain, in times of suffering, in times, oh God, of heartache. Lord, you are our, our source, our strength, and we're going to give you praise for it all in Jesus' mighty name. Praise God. Praise God. In the Lord good? Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and say, I'm about to find an advantage. I'm about to find an advantage. As I stated, afflictions comes to everybody, every house, everyone suffers, everyone has experiences of adversity that comes to us. In Job 5 and 6 it says, although affliction cometh not forth of the dust, remember we talked about it, affliction doesn't just Poof, arise, neither doth trouble spring out of the ground. Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. There's, there's going to be affliction. There's going to be trouble. Full of trouble. There's trouble, then you die. How encouraging is that? There's afflictions, then you die. <laughs> um, mm mm but afflictions arise in all kinds of forms. We ha there are physical troubles, affliction. There is mental afflictions. There is emotional afflictions. There's a, all kinds of adversities. Uh, 
prophecies. Then we find the book like the weeping prophet of Jeremiah. There, there's places throughout the scripture that expresses a, a, a concern and confusion and pain and suffering. And, and, and it happens to good people sometimes. <clears throat> I have been reading several books uh, in this series and studying from different writers. One, one book that has proven to be very enjoyable to me is one by Tim Keller who writes Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. And he makes a statement. He says, in the secular view... Suffering is never seen as meaningful as a meaningful part of life, but only as an interruption. He said, with that understanding, there are only two things to do when pain and suffering occur. The first is to manage and lessen the pain. And so over the past two generations, most professional services and resources offered to sufferers have moved from talking about affliction to discussing stress. We've changed the name of it from affliction to stress. So you just got to deal with the stress. It kind of makes it sound a little bit better, stress. They no longer give people, he says, ways to endure adversity with patience, but instead use a vocabulary drawn from business psychology and medicine to enable them to manage, reduce, and cope with stress, strain, or trauma. Sufferers, he said, are counseled to avoid negative thoughts. Just avoid negative thoughts. You're going to be better. Uh, Supportive relationships and all the focuses then put upon how you respond to suffering, how you respond to suffering. I want to tell you that hidden within suffering, I believe, is some advantages. There's some advantage going through suffering. Thanksgiving in affliction is, is not being thankful for the affliction, but in the affliction. <clears throat> we find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, Paul says, in everything. Somebody say, in everything, not for everything. In everything, not for everything. In everything, not for everything. Amen. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Jesus said, these things have I spoken to you that you might... Have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. You're going to have affliction. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And I believe our attitude and approach to suffering and affliction will determine what we find in that advantage. Remember our study of Job where where, uh, Satan came before God and and talked to him about Job and, and said, if you will... Let me touch him and afflict him. He'll curse you and and give up on you. And so God gave Satan permission to test Job. Remember what we talked about is that nothing happens to you unless it passes through the throne of God first. Nothing happens in your life unless God allows it, gives that access. So There's something going on in that affliction that is going to bring about a desired outcome. While there is a multiplicity of afflictions, I I look at Scripture and I find only two outcomes for afflictions. There's one of two responses that's going to happen in your life when it comes to adversity, affliction, trials, and tests. And that is found in Psalm chapter 34. And let's go there. Psalm chapter 34 and verse number 18. 
The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save as such that be of a contrite spirit. In your affliction, don't be afraid to be broken. Don't be afraid that in that affliction to say, God, I don't know, I don't understand, and let the tears flow. We are living in a day where you're supposed to have the answer and got it all together and everything working out. Uh, no, but the Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart and, and save those that are of a contrite spirit. It's interesting that look at the very next verse. What is the very next verse? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all, and he keepeth all his bones. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Then look at the next verse. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. <clears throat> it's interesting that the Lord says, for the righteous, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions. And when you look at that word afflictions, it speaks of evil things, wickedness, wrongdoing, harm that comes into our life. It speaks of disaster and trouble and distress and calamity and ruin and misfortune, misery and suffering. That, that happens to the innocent. That's what the word righteous there means. It happens to someone through no fault to their own. They've lived a good life. They've done what is right. And yet many afflictions come to them. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. He removes us in our afflictions and our trial and our test. The Lord is there to be a part of it. Now, I want you to look at that, that, that one outcome of affliction is the deliverance of the Lord. Number one, the deliverance of the Lord happens to those that will find God in their adversity. It may be that someone is never healed, but they're still delivered. <laughs> Think about that. It may be that somebody is never uh, uh, physically removed from that, but they're still delivered. I remember you, uh, my mom and dad telling the story about uh, when they pastored in Longview, Texas, and I, I was a very small child, so I was not aware of this. But <clears throat> they pastored in, in, in Texas, and there was a man there that suffered from uh, palsy, cerebral palsy. And his arms were all uh, 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 twisted, and his legs were all twisted. And they brought him to church in a little red wagon and rolled him in and laid him down, laid him on the front seat. That's the way he'd come to church. And he would take his arms, and he'd clap. And praise the Lord laying on the seat. Amen. And we're talking about a church that believes in healing, divine healing. And the Lord never healed the man. But he would testify and he would say, one of these days, I'm going to stand up like everybody else. One of these days, I'm going to worship the Lord with my hands raised. And I'm going to praise God. Well, that man was delivered and still had the physical signs of his affliction, but he was living delivered. Amen. You can live delivered no matter what you're going through. So the, the outcome, number one, is deliverance. Number two is destruction. There's only one or two outcomes that come through your adversity. That's one is deliverance and the other is destruction. Look at that verse 21. It says evil. 
That word evil is the exact same word as afflictions found in verse 19. The exact same word. Let's read it like that. Afflictions shall slay the wicked. Have you ever watched somebody, something tragic happen in their life, and they become angry, and they become bitter, and they become hateful, and they shake their fist at God, and their life is all messed up? I believe that you and I have to decide. Our afflictions will either make us better or they'll make us bitter. Our trials will either make us better or they'll make us uh, uh, angry and hostile. Amen. And this verse supports the fact that there's only two choices, two outcomes when it comes to afflictions. One is deliverance and one is destruction. I think that the choice ought to be simple, don't you? What do you choose? I choose to look at your problem, your issue, your trial, your test as being something that is horrible and never ending. But I believe that hope tells us, hope in God says, he's my deliverer. He's my deliverer, either in it or through it or away from it. I'm going to live delivered. I'm going to live free from that. I'm going to live victorious. Hallelujah. Praise God. What do you choose as the outcome of your situation? All right, let's go to number three, finding purpose in our affliction and adversity. Anybody ever heard of the bird called the comorant? Comorant bird. What an interesting name. This is a really weird bird. It's got a weird name. But this bird lives in the Galapagos, Galapagos Islands. They have wings, but they don't fly. Comorant. They have wings, but they don't fly. The comorant help tweak. I look for the right word. That's the only word I can think. Of. Tweak Darwin's theory about evolution, because here was these birds that he was studying on the islands that had wings, but they didn't fly. Didn't make sense. The Galapagos comorant, with its short. Scraggly wings is the only one of 40 comorant species that cannot fly. All the other comorant species around the world fly except for this one on the Galapagos Island. And so modern studies have looked into this bird that don't fly. It'll swim and die for its food. But we find that the they, they have come to realize the reason that the Comorant on the Galapagos Island doesn't fly is for two particular reasons. One, they no longer have a natural predator. Number one, they don't have a natural predator. And number two, they no longer have a cause for migration. Over the time, over thousands of years, when there was no longer a natural predator to that animal, to that bird, it decided there's no reason to fly. And because it decided that there is no reason to fly, then there's no reason to migrate, to improve. Amen. I want to tell you today, without adversity, without resistance, without trials and tests, some folks will never learn to fly. Never learn that they're better and more than they ever thought about being. How many of you have ever gone through something, and after you've gone through it, you look back at it and say, I don't know how I got through that. 
I don't know how I made it. I don't know how I survived, but I did. And I'm standing, and they look at my wings. I'm flying. Praise be to God. There's power and blessing within your adversity. I've got a good bit of scripture here. I'm giving you the whole text. I want you to go home. You can read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through chapter 2, verse 11. But let's just look at this and find the purpose for adversity that Paul talks about here. Verse 3, 1 Corinthians 1 and 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. What that means is the Father are the heart of compassion. God has compassion. I was reading one man said something like this. Adversity is, 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 is amazing because... God thought of me. He sent adversity so that meant he thought of me. He allowed the enemy to come, so that means he thought about me. I like the Lord thinking about me. How about you? Praise God. Amen. Don't necessarily like the... the, the the issues around adversity, but I love the fact that he is the father of mercies. He's got a heart of compassion, and the Bible says he is here in this verse, the God of all comfort, the God of all parklesia, which means encouragement, which means the one that is called alongside to help with. Amen. He is the encourager. And verse 4 says, who comforteth, who encourages us in all our tribulation and all of our afflictions. That means every affliction that you go through, every tribulation that you go through, every trial that you go through, the God who is the, 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 the God of Father of all mercies is going to comfort you in all of them. How many of them? The ones that are real hard and harsh, he's going to comfort you. The ones that are maybe not so harsh, he's going to comfort you. Amen. But I believe it's got to be our decision to say I'm trusting him to deliver because I don't want destruction. I don't want this to break me. I don't want this to crush me. I had rather fall into the mercies of God. Hallelujah. He says, who comfort us, who encourages us in all our tribulation. Then look at this. The reason for affliction is that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. I've watched and been a part of church to where I've seen heartache and I've seen rejoicing. I've seen families that have lost loved ones and watch how people are comforted. But there's nothing like somebody that has lost someone that has been through something to give comfort in a way that says, I know what you're dealing with. Amen. It may not even be a word that is spoken. It may be just simply, I'm here for you. I, 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 I believe that we should not waste our affliction. Don't waste your storm. Don't waste what you're going through. Don't waste what you're dealing with. Amen. Make something out of it. That's what Paul is saying. Help someone. As God encourages you, you encourage others. 
He goes on to say in verse 5, For the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abound by Christ. Amen. The Greek writing here is that you will find that uh, 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 the word suffering here is, is said in the plural, meaning many. He says, as the sufferings of Christ, many, many abound in us. We've got many sufferings. But then it's interesting in the Greek, the word consolation in verse 6 is singular. It's singular. And so all the sufferings, think about all the afflictions that you go through, is conquered and overcome by one encouragement of Christ. That's what it's saying in the Greek, that there are so many afflictions, so many trials, but all it takes is one word from Christ. Woo! Praise God. And he said that our consolation also abounds in Christ. Our consolation. He says in verse 6, whether we be afflicted, it is your consolation and salvation. Amen. If he's saying, if I'm distressed, you're going to get something out of that as well. It is for your comfort and salvation. If you're comforted, it is for, if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. If I get some of that, you see, there's something about the connection that when God's people are suffering, we all suffer. Look back at this year. Look back at this year, what our church has been through and how it may have impacted some directly, but it impacted everybody together. Amen. So we, we draw from, from each other in, in, the, in the suffering and the affliction, but he said we also draw from the comfort. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. I got a feeling that God's going to bless. Praise God. He's in control and he is the cons he's the consolation, our encourager, our encourager. Praise God. Praise be to God. He's talking about affliction in this chapter, and you can read all of it later, but I want to jump down to verse 19. <clears throat> he's talking about the purpose of affliction. He says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Sylvanius and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. That means the, the, the word that was preached about Christ is not wishy-washy. It's not this and that, but it is yea. It's consistent. Then he says in verse 20, For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Now he which established us with you in Christ hath anointed us, is God who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Moreover, I call for a record upon my soul and to spare you. I came not as yet unto Corinth, not that we may have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy. By faith we stand. What is he saying? He's saying in your affliction, you need to remember that the promises of God are not wishy-washy. It's not. Our difficulty is that we want God to come and just zap us right out of everything, get us right out of every situation, deliver us from every situation so we can walk on a bed of ease, everything be fine, but then we wind up like the comrade that can't fly. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, look, at, look at a scripture that reminds us of God's faithfulness in, in that affliction. 
understanding of purpose. Lamentation 3 and 31, for the Lord will not cast off forever. It's not going to last forever. What you're dealing with is not going to last forever. But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. Hallelujah. Compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. Let's look at number four, the advantage of affliction and adversity. I want to show you a few things here that I think will help us to understand that we find that advantage in that adversity. Look at the first scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. The Bible says, there hath no temptation taken you. There is no trial, no adversity, no tribulation, no affliction taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. Say that with me. God is faithful. Hallelujah. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But then he says something I think is so powerful. But with the temptation, with the affliction, with the trial, he said, I'll make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. If affliction crushes us, then we can't escape. But if we will find the, uh, had find the advantage in our adversity, find something, you know the old adage, life gives you a lemon, Squeeze it real hard. Some of the greatest stories are about people who overcome adversity. Not that they were given a silver, uh, lived with a, a silver spoon in their mouth, but they overcame adversity and did something dynamic and did something wonderful. But the Lord says, there's no temptation, there's no trial. Everybody has it. You have them. I have them. Amen. There are some people that have to live them out more publicly than others. But I believe behind every door that you drive down the street, every door in Medora, every home in this, this, in this church, every household in this church is dealt with things or is dealing with things. But the Lord said, here's the advantage, that with that test, with that trial, there's a way of escape. There is victory that you find in the adversity. Let me share with you some things that I see that are the advantage in, in an adversity. The first one is God gets our attention in adversity. God gets our attention in afflictions. Afflictions ought to motivate us and should motivate us to turn to the Lord. Amen. You got a problem you can't solve. You got an issue that you can't overcome. Instead of turning to everything around us and, 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 and falling into a, a mode of complaining and, and griping, amen, that, that's destruction. We should say, I want to find God in this. Psalm 25 and 1, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Oh, my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Hallelujah. Let, me, let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Amen. You're in a situation. Lord, let me find you in this. Jesus said in Matthew 11 and 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. 
Amen. Our afflictions, our trials ought to drive us to the power and presence of God. It never ceases to amaze me when there that, that some folks when, when they get into a trial, they want to run from the very thing that is their deliverance. Praise God. I've given you plenty of other scriptures there to help tie that in. So there is advantage in the affliction, and that is that it draws me to God. It challenged me to seek the Lord. How many of you ever got to the place where you had no other option but Jesus? No other option but Jesus. Hallelujah. And you turn to him. Amen. That's what affliction can, we can find the advantage in that. Let me give you another one. What affliction does, the advantage that we have. It brings us into harmony with the word of God. It brings us into harmony. Afflictions can bring us into harmony with the word of God. Let me give you scripture. Psalm 119. Man, this is a powerful, powerful text. Psalm 1965. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Then look at this, verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, after my affliction, after I've been visited in this trial, this test, but now have I kept thy word. The affliction ought to drive us to the book. Your trial ought to drive you to the book. It ought to drive us to find out what the Lord has for us. Amen. For it says, thou art good and dost teach me thy statutes. Then I want you to look. Look, look a little bit further in that same passage, just a few verses later, in verse 71, Psalm 1971. Listen to what he says. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. That sounds like a really good starter for a testimony, doesn't it? Hallelujah, it's good. Hey, I want to praise the Lord for my affliction. He said, it is good for me that I've been afflicted. Why? Because he just said, when I was going astray before that affliction come, but when that affliction come, I turned back to the word, and I began to learn some things about the word of God. Amen. You want to know how to deal with your trial, your test? Get back to the word. Get into the word. Hallelujah. Listen to the word. Find out what the word of God has to say. And the, and the, and, and the psalmist said, it's good for me that I've been afflicted. Why? That I might learn thy statutes, your word. Adversity has an advantage. It causes us to get back to the word. Another advantage of adversity is that it assures us of God's love and faithfulness. You find God's faithfulness and his love in adversity. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. I'd be concerned if I wasn't going through some kind of correction in my life. How about you? I want the Lord to love me. And one of the signs is that he loves me is that he allows adversity to come, draws me back to him, draws me back to his word. It puts me back in right alignment with God. It gets my passion in the right place, my perspectives in the right place, my, my choices in the right place. Amen. He says he loves me. He said in verse 7, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. 
For what son is he whom the father chaseth not? Praise God. Look at Psalm 119 and verse 73. Psalm 119, verse 73. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me, given me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in thy word. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right and thou in faithfulness, in faithfulness, have afflicted me in faithfulness. How many of you ever told your child when you got ready to do something that, you know, people don't hardly do much anymore, but you begin to lay your hand rather nicely on their seat of affection? You know, as one man said, how he got his children to behave so well is he said, I patted them on the back real low, real often. He is faithful. Every trial, every test. I want to tell you, I want to say this. I, want to, I don't know about you. Going back in my life, I have learned more about God in my moments of suffering and heartache than I ever do about him in my moments of happy, everything going right, everything going good, everything fine. Where I found God, where I found him in great depth is in my moments of adversity. Why? He said, thou art faithful, Lord, in my affliction. You're faithful. His love is found. His faithfulness is discovered in adversity and affliction. Let's look at something else that is an advantage. Something that afflictions can do is it can cause us to examine ourselves. Examine ourselves. Reevaluate and say things like the psalmist, search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Amen. When you begin to look at something, I don't know if you uh, paid attention to the song. This is how I fight my battles. I love that song. This is how I fight my battles. This is how my, that song is actually about communion. I guess you thought it was about worship, didn't you? You read, I think it's the second verse. It's talking about having communion with the Lord. How I fight my battle is I get close to God. I, get, I draw near to him. And one way we do that is at the Lord's table, at the memorial table, at the Lord's Supper. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 27. It says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Hallelujah. If you'll examine yourself, if those that are not examining themselves are doing so unworthily to their own harm of their body, then how much on the other hand, if we are doing it by examining ourselves, checking ourselves, repositioning ourselves into what God wants, amen, can we find healing? Can we find restoration? Amen. This is how we fight our battle. How do we do it? Examine ourselves. Lord, search me. Put me under the spotlight. Let me be what I ought to be with you. Praise God. That's an advantage. Another advantage of affliction is it reminds us of our need for God. It reminds us of our need for God, James 5 and 11. You can look that up. Another advantage is that it causes us to sift our relationships. 
Afflictions will cause us to check out our who our friends are. I've got a verse for you. Proverbs 17 and 17. A friend liveth at all times, and a brother, a brother is born for adversity. You will find out in your heart, hardest of times, who are those kind of people that you really want to get close to and hang around with because you'll find the brother that is born for adversity. That's an advantage. That's an advantage. It's good to have good friends in your trial. Somebody say amen. Another advantage in adversity and affliction is that we win Christ. We win Christ. Philippians 3 and verse 8, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Hallelujah. How many of you gone through a trial or a test and you learn more about yourself, but you also learn more about Jesus? You learn more about the Lord that you served. All of a sudden you say, you know what? I learned that he's the way maker. I learned that he is the need supplier. I learned that he's working when I don't know it. Behind the scenes he's working. He's going to make a way. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. There is an advantage in your affliction. That to me is the core of hope. The core of hope is that there is an advantage. All right. Let's look at point number five. I talked to you about a bird that couldn't fly. Now let me talk to you about a bird that surely does fly. Look at Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. With wings like an eagle, as an eagle. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle. I'm just going to stop there because I'm going to talk about how adverse winds are an advantage to an eagle. How adverse winds are an advantage to an eagle. We learned a lesson. The Bible said we're going to mount up with wings like eagles. Okay, let's learn what that really means. Adverse winds causes eagles to fly higher causes eagles to fly higher. They tell us that there's a tremendous lifting power in turbulent winds. What they could not normally reach with their own strength. Adversity comes along, adverse winds come along, and they use that to take them to a higher place. That's an advantage in adversity. Somebody say amen. Higher, higher. Another advantage that they have is that adverse winds lift the eagle to a point for a better view, a larger view. The higher the eagle flies, the larger his overall perspective can become. What happens in afflictions and adversity is that all of a sudden, if we'll allow the winds of adversity to lift us higher, we're going to get in a place where we can see the big picture that God is doing. It's a vision of, oh, that's what God is doing here. I'm going to get to the point where I can have a perspective that's a little bit higher. Somebody else may not can see that, but you don't have to know what I'm going through, but what I'm going through is lifting me up so my vision can be beyond what this world has. That's an advantage. Another thing that that turbulent winds do for an eagle is that it lifts them above 
the harassment. <coughs> Adverse winds lift eagle above the harassment. At lower elevations, the eagle is harassed by suspicious crows, disgruntled hawks, and smaller birds. As the eagle soars higher, those other birds can't handle that height. They begin to fall by the wayside. <coughs> so the wind of adversity lifts him above the harassing. Amen. I believe that God can allow your affliction, your trial, to lift you above the tormentors of hell that come against your mind, lift you up above past the doubt and the fear and the dread and the worry and the mully grubs and the woe is me, lift you up that God can take you above the harassments. Let it be an advantage to you. Another advantage for eagles is that Adverse winds empowers eagles to fly with less effort. To fly with less effort. The wings of eagles are designed for gliding in the winds. The feather structure prevents stalling, reduces the turbulence, and produces a relatively smooth ride with minimal effort even in turbulent winds. How's sister so-and-so dealing with that? How in the world has she got that? How's brother so-and-so getting by? How, how in the world are, are they doing that? What, what, what? They have learned to adjust to the adverse winds. Amen. Because they want to soar higher, higher with less effort. I'm telling you, the people that, that are, 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 dealing with adversity and it's woe is me and how horrible it is, they're the ones that have to work hard to get by every day. Amen. Just a couple more. <clears throat> Adverse winds allows an eagle to stay up longer, higher, with less effort, longer. The eagle uses the winds to soar and glide for long periods of time. In the winds, the eagle first glides in long, shallow circles downward and then spirals upward at that turbulent updraft. I'm going to just stay up here in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to stay in the... Your affliction is not meant... Your situation is not meant to, to bring you away from the presence of the Lord, but rather into the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Into the presence of the Lord. That, 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 that health thing that you're dealing with doesn't have to bring you out of the presence of the Lord. It ought to bring you into the presence of the Lord. That's an advantage. Another thing, the last thing I want to share with you that, that winds of adversity do to an eagle is it causes them to fly faster, faster than they normally can. Normal, the eagle flies at a speed of about 50 miles an hour. That's fast. That's, that's fast for a bird. However, when he glides into the wind currents, turbulent wind currents, it's not uncommon for him to reach speeds of 80 or 100 miles an hour. <laughs> That's an advantage that the winds of adversity bring to that, that eagle. Now, I, I, I can either try to be that 
that bird, if you ever look, go, go look it up and Google it. I mean, tell you what, it's a hideous looking thing. His poor little wings are just so scrawny and flopping around. And he can't fly, amen, because he has no sense of adversity. But thank God for adversity. It takes you to a place. If you're an eagle and an eagle thinking and an eagle, men, eagle mentality, it's going to lift you up. Hallelujah. Lift me up above the shadows. The song says, lift me up, O Lord. Let me stand. Hallelujah. I'm not going to allow my affliction to destroy me, but my hope is going to show me that there's advantage in this adversity. There's advantage. You've got the advantage. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me, please? Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Anybody have hope today? Anybody have hope? Why don't you just thank the Lord right here, right now for a hope. Hallelujah. 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 I can't explain it, but oh Lord, I, I, I certainly am thankful for a hope. God, that passes and blows my mind. Lord, a deep settled peace, God, that is beyond my comprehension. I thank you, Lord, for it. Hallelujah. I praise you, God, for the advantage that you give to us today. Lord, in this place, we thank you for help and hope even in our hurt. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to, it didn't matter how big or how small or how whatever. How many of you are going through something right now in your life? You, you need hope. Can I see your hand? You, you're going through something that you need hope. Just lift your hand and leave it there just for a minute. <clears throat> Those of you that, that may not be dealing with anything right now, why don't you join them by just saying, okay, I'm going to connect with that person by faith. Hallelujah. Lord, there are those that are here right now, God, that are dealing with issues dealing with heartache, dealing with suffering, Lord, dealing with pain. It may be relationship. God, would you help it? Would you help it, Lord, in the name of Jesus? There are those, oh God, that are dealing with a, a physical, Lord, affliction, a physical adversity. Lord, will you heal their body? Lord, would you take them, Lord, and bring them into the place of deliverance? So tonight we choose deliverance and not destruction. We choose victory, Lord Jesus, and not defeat. God, we're going to praise you, Lord, that, that we know that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but you deliver us out of them all. Thank you, Lord, for this hope. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.